0: Hi, so it's taken a little bit of time to get this podcast ready to come out and in the time since Sanjay and I spoke, things have gotten a lot more um, horrific with um, COVID in India. So we both felt that it would be helpful for us just to say something and acknowledge that um, before the actual podcast. So I was just wanted to ask Sanjay, how it's been
1: yeah hi Sanjay again hi hi yeah um I think the word that best describes how I'm feeling right now is raw yeah um just a little bit um what should I yeah well um sensitive yeah I think mm. it's, it's it's raw and being high, a, a bit um uh on guard, on high alert, mm. highly sensitive, um, afraid even, uh, mm. because every day we are hearing of people we know, not just ill but dying. Mm. So, uh, and you know, I lost my own very dear aunt last week. Mm. So, still so we haven't sort of processed that when we and mm. we're hearing of others. So. Even though they haven't been, you know, close family, but um, definitely people we've we've known a long time. am mm, so uh, sorry. Three on our street, just wow. this week. Yes, so it's um it's rather too close to home, and so it's a bit yeah. Mm. It's, um, and it's a impacting because we're in lockdown as well. And this is not just uh, it's not our story alone. It's 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 become a shared reality. Everybody knows somebody who's, you know, and so um, there's uh, there's a lot of rawness around, I'm noticing. And even in, within, like, we've just had, a, I mean, we were on a WhatsApp group, a few of our friends, and I'm just noticing there also a lot of, there's a lot of, um, yeah, we're all highly sensitive at the minute to mm. You know, relationships are highly sensitized at the minute. And, yeah. I guess
0: if you think of it, it in terms, when you were talking, I had this image of things like the danger kind of really encroaching mm. and the world feeling really unsafe. Yeah. And that would make sense that you would all be on high alert.
1: Mm. Yeah. Sort
0: of physiologically. Like, yes.
1: uh, yeah. And, you know, anxiety is not good for immunity.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: You know so um yes, trying to keep calm, trying to do some meditation, yeah, just just trying to be in the here and now, you know um, which is when anybody asks how are you, and that's mm. that simple question, which is uh, we can now never take for granted, I think you know
0: does it feel like the world's changed
1: yeah I think so. I mean, I I don't think I would ever ask that frivolously anymore, you know, just as a pleasantry. It's a lot more, Mm, it's a lot more depth. Yeah, and so I always answer now, so far, so good, so great. Mm -hmm. That's all, um, you know, so, yeah
0: thank you Sanjay for just sort of filling in with how things are there I think it's really important actually that people know because I don't think there is enough in the press over here about it Um, but I'm going to put a couple of links to charities that are working out on the ground Mm -hmm. in India and supporting people directly
1: that need um, help some uh, some, as well Mm
0: -hmm. okay thank you My name is Sasha Jenkin. I've always been fascinated by what makes people tick and I've been fortunate enough to pursue this interest in my work as a therapist for the best part of the last 20 years. So many of us struggle with liking ourselves. I notice this challenge in people regardless of their status or life experience and it's something I've grappled with clients and with myself, finding a way to like ourselves, to sit with who we are and say, I'm okay. In this podcast, I discuss this subject with other professionals who work with people, counsellors, therapists, mediators and coaches amongst others, to uncover how they feel it within themselves and how they work on it with their clients. So, join us in the Validation Lounge, discover the diverse ideas and ways of working in the self-help field, get to learn more about human beings and you might even learn to like yourself a little more. Today we have Sanjay Kumar joining us on the Validation Lounge, and welcome Sanjay. Um, and I think you're in Bangalore. Is that correct?
1: Thank you, sir. Yes, I'm in. Currently based in Bangalore. Um, yeah, I've been here for gosh, coming up to three years now. Spending a little, I mean, a little time here. Uh, yeah, especially a uh, little time in London, and most of the time here. But uh, since the pandemic, I've been here.
0: Yeah. And I wondered if you could introduce yourself and just kind of give a little bit of background and maybe talk a little bit about your areas of expertise and your areas of interest.
1: Yeah, so where do I start? Um, So I'm a psychotherapist and I have uh, trained uh, in an integrative model of psychotherapy, primarily existential um, phenomenology with a bit of uh, humanistic uh, approaches. And that has kind of evolved over the years, and now as I practice in India, I am including, beginning to include a lot more of the Eastern philosophies of healing, i.e., mindfulness and meditation, mm-hmm. um, and uh, more body work, and more sort of body psychotherapy, listening to the body. Um, so that's kind of been the professional progression. So I, would have, uh, before entering into the world of psychotherapy, I was in the church and uh, I was uh, being trained to be a pastor mm-hmm. and I went to seminary to do my uh, studies and pastoral counseling. And it was during that time uh, when I was there that I was um, also explored, beginning to... Uh, come to terms with, uh, in, come to serious terms with my sexuality, and uh, it was during my tenure in seminary that I came out to myself and figured out very quickly that I could not be out and proud uh, in the church in, in South India because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not it's not allowed, and um, I didn't want to bring uh, a lot of scandal to the family because I was. Uh, uh, in in the public eye, in the church, and in, 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 yeah. So um, I got the opportunity to segue into psychotherapy instead, uh, which was not too far uh, a jump from pastoral counseling, etc. But I wanted to do the training in a secular context, and uh, an opening came up, uh, an opportunity came up to do it in. London in, mm-hmm. in the School of Psychotherapy and Counseling in Regent's College, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what brought me to back to uh, the UK, um, and was there uh, for seventeen years. After that, and trained in, in and then practiced
0: seventeen yeah. years. I hadn't realized it was that long. Seventeen years, yeah. yeah.
1: But I know. How did it? Uh, yeah, where did that time go? It feels mm-hmm. like a bit of a dream now. Even this after being back three years, mm-hmm. um, it seems. Um, Seems distant now for some reason. Um, <clears throat> in that time, my work predominantly was with the queer community,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: providing counselling and psychotherapeutic support for gay men in particular, or men who have sex with men. Um, and uh, so, if there was any expertise as it were, that would be uh, that would be it: gender and sexuality, as well as uh, providing support for uh, people who are. HIV Uh, i.e. men who are HIV positive Mm -hmm. and so that was one area of my work and then uh there's also training in uh bereavement uh and loss grief and loss and also uh, group work so running lots of um, workshops and and uh, therapeutic group support groups Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the broad overview of uh yeah of my work and uh, and which is and now back coming to india it's taken me a long while to uh resettle re-enter into uh to society culturally and in every way and um and now beginning to establish my practice here which is sadly now exclusively online mm. which is also a new thing so yeah it's i mean it's exciting and, uh, and all my 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 work with individuals as well as uh which is now online, and so I'm kind of figuring it out. And uh, particularly for the queer community here, although that is an aspect of it, um, but my work is is is, uh, is inclusive. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the overview of me.
0: And as as usual, I will put links for where people can find you with the podcast yeah. if they're interested in working with you. That, that I will um, include that um, in, the, in, the, in the podcast notes. And. What does the word "validation mean to you when I say that word
1: first of all, that very word um sends a feeling of warmth hmm. uh, it's, it's the, the word validation is like comes i don't know why it's about the way the, the way you say it or the word itself um it feels like a hug hmm. um I think uh, the validation lounge, as you call it is a is a is a really lovely phrase. It feels like that's where I want to sit and then I've been thinking about it it's pro- this the validation lounge is probably where I have been all my life <laughs> hmm. I've, been, I've been sitting in that lounge in one way or another uh and I imagine most of us do and uh, um and it, it's um, it's that central to the human experience, I think, um, in how we operate and how I operate, how I operate in the world is uh, is very directly linked to the validation I see mm-hmm. And I think this is a learning that um, is picked up quite early on in life, and I've picked it up quite early on. In Mm-hmm. Um to be validated, validation, to be affirmed, to be uh reassured, to be uh praised, to be um lifted up, to be encouraged, to be to be seen, to be acknowledged.
0: And you feel that's something that you've had around that you've received from from a young age?
1: Uh yes, and um uh sought after it. Mm-hmm. Wanted it, um, needed it. Um, so I've had a relationship with validation. That's what I mean. I've been in okay. the validation round all my life. Is that I have? Yes, I have been in. I've been in relationship with it all mm. my life. From the moment I was born, mm. I do believe that that's the first one of the first things a baby is aware of. I think yeah. is. Um, I agree. Is is the uh, adoration uh, of the mother, mm-hmm. and I think that is one of the very first things that uh, we begin learning uh, how to get more of, mm-hmm. and develop strategies around. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, getting that validate that smile from from the primary caregiver yeah. and. Uh, and then all the antiques that uh, that we also learn when it's not available mm. or you know and when we don't get the, the result that we uh, are looking for that yeah. that's not yeah. that, affirmation, that affirmation that comfort that you know all of that. So,
0: that feeling um, kind of like that sort of warmth, like you said, that feeling like yeah. I'm okay, the world's safe, yeah. and everything's okay yeah. inside me yeah. because I'm getting that yes. affirmation from my, my primary caregiver.
1: Correct. It, and I yeah? think, yes, you're right. It, it is about okayness. And it is about I'm okay. Mm. More, even more so than that, that, the world is okay. Even if the world is not okay, I'm okay or I will mm. be okay is what this means to me yeah mm.
0: and can you remember the first time that you that you realized that you were important what kind of important that you do you remember the first time that you felt that way
1: yes yes so um i think my earliest recollection goes back to when i was three and a half years of age And this draws my mind to an incident that uh, happened in my life, which then became a very huge, significant life event. Um, And uh, well, it it, I guess it was a huge life event, and it it doesn't hold the same oomph that it did before, uh, right now. But um, so, what happened when I was three and a half was it was quite common for. Uh, I mean, this happened a lot where the nanny uh, wouldn't turn up for work. And my, my, both my parents worked full time. Um, and we, I was three and a half. So my sister is three and a half years older to me. So she would have been around seven. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would have come back from nursery quite early. And uh, she would have come back from kindergarten. And we uh, found ourselves at home playing by ourselves, and uh, at that young age, my sister, if the nanny wasn't around, had to be responsible for me, as it were. And mm. um, and how much how much can a seven year old be? You know, and so Absolutely. i so <laughs> I uh, and I did I resented her. I, I suppose uh, looking after me even at three and a half. I remember this mm-hmm. and trying to run away and do things on my own. And one thing we were not allowed to do is go up stairs to the terrace um, and, uh, and play because the terrace had a very low parapet wall, just about two feet high or something. And the other side was <clears throat> uh, a newly laid granite uh, stone rain drain water uh, gutter type thing, about five feet in width. And then beyond the gutter, was a huge uh, field full of a, la- a laundry field we called a doge And it was full of these washermen and women mm-hmm. washing clothes and on their stones, you know, and uh, drying them. And there were plenty of things to watch for a young mm. child, you know. And it was like, it was so interesting all the time. And on, ab- above our house at the very end of the terrace was a small, was a small house uh, with a, a family who I was very close to. Um, a very poor family who lived up there, but I was very, very close to them. And I would, any given opportunity, run to their house. So, without my sister's knowledge, off I went upstairs. And at that moment, uh, the lady who lived upstairs was having a shower, so she wasn't minding me. And there I got distracted with all what was happening in this huge field, this laundry derby place and uh, beyond the fields was a road and i think there was a hindu funeral procession going and a hindu funeral procession is is quite animated mm. yeah, there's lots of music there's a usually a band playing and people dancing in front of the coffin and that's that's the way they take the 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 body to the last rites as well mm-hmm. and this was all very entertaining lots to look days. at yeah yeah lots to look at lots of color lots of mm. sound and yeah next thing you know i've fallen over mm. and this was monday thursday by the way which is very significant um monday and thursday uh, monday thursday mm-hmm. what did I say? <laughs> monday. yeah monday thursday um so it was monday thursday and uh and i've fallen over this is about 12 feet into this Newly granite stone thing, and I, I, um, and I remember calling out to this auntie from down there, and she came, just came out, and she was like, "Oh my God, let it! I hope it's not the other side." And you know, and she took, Of course, I was there, and I was bleeding from the mouth because apparently mm-hmm. when I fell, I bitten my inner cheeks, so I have a, a scar face inside. Mm-hmm. Both, uh, both cheeks have a huge scar on either side inside I hit my cheeks but I fell and there was no other injury apart from that but because I was bleeding from the mouth off they rushed me to the hospital I fell unconscious for a while oh not unconscious but I into a deep sleep or whatever almost mm-hmm. like a coma and all this is happening my mum and dad are not here because they're still at work and in those days no phones no nothing so long story short my mum returns from work Panics completely, freaks out that something's happened to her son, and uh, and the entire town turns up. I mean, the, the entire street, the Aww. church, the neighbors, you know. And so um, there's all of this, and the story is being told to me over the years, over the years, many, many Has times. It? Right? Mm. Mm. And uh, so, about and the, so this was Monday Thursday, and I was put in hospital because I was. I think there was nausea, so they were fearing concussion, they were fearing all sorts of things. So I was put under observation. And uh, now comes the mem, the memory. I wake up on Good Friday morning, early in the morning, with the sound of birds singing in the tree next to the window at the hospital. And I remember the sunlight coming in, and I remember waking up, and the first thing I say, Oh, Mama, today's Good Friday, so this is the day Jesus died for me. Hmm. as well you know it's like uh, and I knew exactly the words to use and, and my mother of course has been up all night sitting in my bed crying praying whatever. and I wake up and I say these things so and she it was like there was a, uh, a, a you know a, a ripple of sighs mm. going out of the room into the corridor you know and um, everybody relieved you know, and not just relieved for me to wake up and say this, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. so it was almost like a very spiritual moment. I I don't know. It was, uh, and uh, so from that, you know, and I was heralded as a miracle boy, as a miracle baby. And so this is my earliest memories of being, that I was, that I was special and I've been told that I'm special and, over and over and over again through my child because of this one incident. Mm. And every year on Monday, Thursday, and Friday, my parents would give me some extra money to put in the offertory in church as a thanksgiving for my life being saved. So that, that's a very strong message of validation that uh, was uh, embedded and re-embedded and retold.
0: I wonder how that's... Kind of been part of your kind of life's journey with your own self worth and where, you know, if it's, if it's, if that experience has kind of has, how that sort of narrative has, has affected how you, where you are today or through your life.
1: Good. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, This is kind of why I fell apart when I realized I was gay and I was coming out and realized that I wasn't this special. I mean, uh, uh, I wasn't that special after all. There was something not, there was something amiss. There was something.
0: Mm. Oh, human.
1: Strongly, yeah, strongly uh, amiss. Uh, So, um, and this fear of falling from this pedestal that was you know, I was uh, my sister would say, "Oh, mommy's blue-eyed boy," and uh, she would you know, so. And I, and I was the blue-eyed boy of not just my mother, of the community, and uh, and I, from a very early age, learned how to be the good boy in order to get that. Yeah. Uh, and I remember it from coming from all sides. You know. From-
0: Gosh, it just feels like so, what a huge thing to live up to. What a huge, almost right. like a responsibility.
1: Yeah. God has saved you for a purpose. You're special. God has saved you for a purpose. Now, this is, that's the thing that has been banded upon over and over and over again. And mm. then when I left the church uh, and went into secular psychotherapy, this was a huge thing. Mm. You know, huge thing for my mother particularly, uh, because she was there and she was, you know, and I was quite a sickly child. Uh, I don't know if it was they didn't know whether this fall had anything to do with it, but every year I would end up in hospital to and uh, throwing up, throwing up, throwing up, throwing up, and losing so much water and but, yeah, nutrients, almost dying and coming back to life. And so there was a, there was the, the, so it wasn't just this; it was two, three times I think I remember this happening where I was in you know in a hospital and near death and then kind of born again. Yes, yeah.
0: And I wonder if sorry, I, I was just thinking one of the things that we talk about that I ask about and I think about a lot is shame. And yeah. I, I I wonder if that maybe evoked some shame in you around not being this
1: yeah, um absolutely.
0: miracle boy that how on earth could you be a gay man and be this um kind of icon? That you'd been that had been that you were that you were seen to be in your your family maybe in your community's eyes
1: yes and it's it's kind of still talked about today you know uh, there was a there was I remember while I was in seminary fasting and praying praying the gay away you know trying to oh, um, really 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 you know crying and yeah you know, I remember in the uh, seminary building was a beautiful, beautiful place uh, uh, architecturally, and there was this dome on top of the on top of the building, and it was a a prayer room that you could go and, You know, it was always bright, and during the day, you know, it was, I remember spending an entire day almost there uh, in fast, uh, fasting and praying. Mm. Oh. <laughs> How am I going to, how, you know, so not just shame, fear as well, Mm. you know, uh, fear. uh, And now when I think back on it, it was the fear of falling from grace, you know, falling from this validation, falling from this, you know, and uh, how am I going to, uh, I didn't know how I was going to cope. Uh, um, Part of the reason of going halfway around the world and psychotherapy was kind of like a a gateway uh you know because i could not bear to see the disappointment in my mother's eyes because the Mm -hmm. three and a half year old saw something in his mother's eyes that yes you know he vividly remembers
0: yeah yeah
1: and uh wants to and perished and uh, held on to and could not bear mm, not having
0: and and that's kind of reminding me of what we started off by saying that, you know, if we learn to feel our self-worth through our primary caregivers, oh. perhaps what can be attached to that are their expectations of us.
1: Yes. Maybe. Yes. Yes. And, and then when you add the spiritual element to it, then... Then it become then it's not just primary caregivers, it becomes God as well. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. You know,
1: so. Just God,
0: you know. That little old
1: yeah. person. <laughs> So it's not good enough. I mean, and then the primary caregivers become equated with God. So if mm. I'm displeasing my parents, then I'm displeasing God. Mm. So, and Of course, you know, and so and then being gay was against all of that, right? Um and so um yeah, it, um, and in this whole process, the validation, the teaching, which I think the church is really, really uh, uh, is to blame, I think, is, where they don't, the, the teaching is not so much about you are. See, Jesus did it differently. He's, he said, you are the light of the world mm. to the disciples who we had just met. And these are uneducated, uncouth fishermen, and uh,
0: yeah, and as you said that, I felt like you said at the beginning you know, that word of that like, oh, that felt really so lovely and, and validating to hear that,
1: yeah, I mean, can you imagine uh, fishermen nobody would nobody would associate with fishermen because smelly whatever you know yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, <clears throat> and in a class of society. Yeah, you, know, uh, you know segregation. I mean, there's so much, you know, social segregation, right? And and so, but he looks at the lowest of the low and says, "You are the light of the world." How validating is that? Mm-hmm. No, the church is teaching is you have nothing good about you. You need God to, you know. So don't displease God because you are you, you are valuable because of God. There's nothing mm-hmm. of value within you, right? So mm-hmm. and then then if you fall short of that validation from God, then who are you? You know, so you're nothing, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and so that's was what was crushing. And rather than the teaching that you are made in the image of God, you are beautiful as you are, you know, you're full of you know, all the potential of, you know, <clears throat> you are the light and salt of the earth. You know, it's like, that's not the teaching, right? So, uh, so that's what worked. I fell like apart because the, the foundation isn't that, oh, you're wonderful. And, And also the teaching was you are wonderful, you are good because you have been saved. Mm. Right.
0: So, um, yes, it sounds like that from what you were saying that the, um, what Jesus, the message that Jesus had was actually really, uh, the word that I'm thinking is is a lot of humility and um, empathy, but the perhaps religion has, has kind of changed that and made it something else. is that that right yeah Mm. yeah
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think um, this is where then the self-validation had to be uh, for me had to be learned a different way Mm. Uh, when I left I uh, you know I didn't leave my faith but I left the church as it were Mm. Uh, and so I had to do I had to unlearn a lot of these messages right and um, And then while making the gay okay, you know, and uh, so, and, uh, but, um, but by then, of course, the, the looking for validation from, without, from externally, be be it my parents or God or the the church or the community. uh, So these were the things that, these were the places where I sought the validation, not from myself. I wasn't taught, I, I didn't learn rather. Mm. uh to look for it from within
0: yes yeah that you were looking uh, from it from external external yeah. from the people yeah. around you from the people that you had relationships with and the people mm. and the and your relationship with your religion rather yeah. than from within
1: yeah yeah and so i that from uh i guess from my clients uh, in my early uh, part of my um work you know and uh if I didn't have clients I would I would take that I would I would take that on as I you know that something wrong
0: with with you yes and Mm -hmm. that's that kind of um I see that as a kind of a shame response I think I've talked before about you know that we've talked about it the thing of when there's something wrong with us that is it can be rather than actually being and that can and how that can kind of really fill us with actually one of the things that I talk about is how feelings are involved with self validation. I wonder if that's something that you've, that you've thought about, or I guess shame is if some people will call shame a feeling, is that something that you've thought about at all?
1: Yeah. Um, what, uh, what's coming to my awareness right now is exactly this awareness. Uh, and, um, this realization that I'm looking for it from out, from outside, and when I'm looking for it from outside, I'm so not in control of it. Mm. Uh, what I'm in control of of is me validating myself, and how Absolutely. do I validate myself? It's not just by silencing the inner critic, but also, um, you know, uh, finding a way of being still with mm. myself. Uh, I think the um, I think the hallmark of any relationship is when it there is no awkwardness in silence between two people.
0: Yes. When, um, yeah. So when, when, when yeah. you're quiet, I feel like I'm feeling in the silences now. <laughs>
1: but when, when
0: a, you know so and I yeah. guess that's a real therapy and counseling well, thing as well,
1: isn't it? <laughs> so I <laughs> know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That thing of just being able to sit with silence and it yes. not feeling too awkward. Yeah. Mm.
1: And and for me to do that with myself, you know, and not have to fill it with either uh, learning or social media or uh, entertainment or something else to do or whatever but you know and this is where the whole meditation and mindfulness practices Mm -hmm. are are coming in uh, very handy and uh, uh, I did a couple of uh, sittings on uh, Vipassana which is a a particular kind of meditation Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got to do a 10 day meditation of silence Absolute silence, no contact, no eye contact also with any human being. Uh, No writing, no exercising, no phones, no nothing. And and It's a led meditation, Uh, you know, and it's a particular kind of meditation where you just meditate only on your breath at the the tip of your nostrils and above your upper lip for three days, Uh, and then you go into a different kind of meditation after that called Vipassana. Uh, so three days sitting and just being mindful of just that small part of my body. Mm. You know, and uh, I, could, I wouldn't have done it any other way. And But um, if it wasn't in such a controlled setting, you know, but something about being with myself and not having to run away from that place, from, from myself. Mm. myself you know and uh, and somehow validating my breath staying with my breath and and sometimes i start my meditation sessions but when was the last time someone held you and watched you breathe with love Mm -hmm.